Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents Al-Akhirah, the Afterlife, Part 2, narrated by Imam Anwar Al-Awlaqi. Tonight, inshallah ta'ala, we'll talk about the situation of the Muslim sinners, Asat al-Mu'mineen, the Muslims who committed specific sins. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quran and in Sunnah mentioned that a few sins have specific punishments on the day of judgment. And we're not talking about Nar and we're not talking about Jannah yet. Now we're limiting our talk to situation of people on the day of judgment itself. Uh, and we have, I think, about uh, nine points. Number one, the ones who do not pay zakah. The punishment for them on the day of judgment varies. In one hadith, Rasulullah says that the owner of wealth who does not pay zakah, his money on the day of judgment will be presented in the form of a huge snake. And that snake will surround the person and crush him on the day of judgment. And this hadith is uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَنْ آتَاهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا And this hadith is in Bukhari. مَنْ آتَاهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا فَلَمْ يُؤَدِّ زَكَاتَهُ مُثْفِلَ مَالُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ شُجَاعًا أَقْرَعَ لَهُ زَبِيبَتَانِ يُطَوِّقَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ ثُمَّ يَقُولْ أَنَا مَالُكَ أَنَا كَنْزُكَ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said on the day of judgment, the person who has money and does not pay the zakah on it, on the day of judgment, his money will be presented in the form of a shuja' aqra'. This is a huge snake. Yutawiqahu yawm al-qiyamah. This snake will surround him on the day of judgment. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa recited an ayah. وَلَا يَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ يَبْخَلُونَ بِمَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهُ وَخَيْرًا لَهُمْ بَلْ هُوَ شَرٌ لَهُمْ سَيُطَوَّقُونَ مَا بَخِلُوا بِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And let not those who covetously withhold of that which Allah has bestowed on them of his bounty, think that it is good for them. Nay, it will be worse for them. The things which they withheld shall be tied to their necks like a collar on the day of resurrection. And Allah belongs, and to Allah belongs the heritage of the heavens and the earth. And Allah is well acquainted with all that you do. This is one form of punishment. And then uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa mentions in another hadith narrated by Muslim that the one who has gold and silver and does not pay the zakah on that gold and silver, this gold and silver will be formed into plates, flat plates, and these plates will be heated in hellfire and then they will be branded with these plates on their foreheads and flanks and backs. And Rasulullah says that will continue for 50,000 years. It will continue for all the day of judgment. And then Rasulullah talked about the one who has camels and the one who has cows and the one who's, who has uh, goats and they do not pay the zakah on it. On the day of judgment, they would be uh, laying down on a flat land and these camels or cows or goats or whatever it is will be running over them, stampeding and crushing them with their hoofs and biting them with their mouths. Rasulullah says, In a day which is 50,000 years long, to withhold a miser, small amount of money, and then suffer for 50,000 years. It's not worth it at all. Because you're not going to have barakah and that money to start with in dunya. And then you're going to pay the price for it in akhirah. 
and this money that was withheld in dunya, and you're going to spend it sooner or later. And if you don't spend it, then you're going to leave it behind. This money, you would pay the price for it and suffer for 50,000 years, which is longer than your life in dunya. Therefore, really, we need to have a very flexible hands when it comes to money. Give, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you were created, you didn't have any wealth whatsoever. No pockets, nothing, no bank accounts, nothing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided you with what you have today. Allah is the one who gave it to you. Allah can take it and Allah can give more. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you and created with you your rizq. So you're going to get it sooner or later. Number two, the second uh, type of sin, which has a specific punishment on the Day of Judgment, and it's very dangerous, extremely dangerous. And it is the cause of the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on His worst creation, and that is Iblis. And this sin is Al-Kibr, arrogance. This sin is what caused Iblis to go from the higher level and rank to being the lowest. It is because of arrogance. Ana khayrun min. I'm better than him. Khalaqtani min nar wa khalaqtahu min tayn. He created me from fire and created him from dirt. I'm better than him. Arrogance. This sin is very horrible and very dangerous. It's so dangerous that Rasulullah sallallahu says, "Man kana fi qalbihi mithqal dharra min kibr lam yurah ra'ahat al-jannah." Whoever has even an equivalent of a small grain of arrogance in his heart will not even smell paradise. If you have an equivalent of a mithqal dharra, dharra is an atom or, or the smallest it could get. If that small amount of arrogance is in the heart, that person will not even smell paradise, meaning you wouldn't even get close to it, let alone get in. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Rasulullah says, the arrogant will be assembled on the day of judgment in the forms of men but the sizes of ants. Humiliation will come to them from every direction. Adhar is the very small type of ants. You know, ants are different sizes. There is this size that is very small, it's called dhar. Because the other ant is called a nemel. But this very small ant is called dhar. That is the size these arrogant people will come in on the Day of Judgment. They are human beings, the form of a human being, but the size of an ant. Humiliation will come to them from every direction. Because they will be stepped on by everyone. People are just walking, they don't even see them. Running, people are not walking on the Day of Judgment, they're running. And they're stepping over these small human beings. You see arrogance, one of the reasons this is such a major sin is because in itself arrogance is a lie. You're putting on a fake personality. Whoever has arrogance is actually lying. Why? Because as a creation, we are humble. We are humble because we're the creation of Allah. And Allah is the one who gives us value. Otherwise we would be worthless. We would be nothing. هل أتى على الإنسان حين من الدهر لم يكن شيئا مذكورا A time has came on the human being when he was nothing. There was a time when we were nothing, we were non-existent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us value and we don't get this value except from Him. So we are humble and we should continue 
being humble. Whenever we're arrogant, we're claiming, we're claiming something that doesn't really belong to us. And that's why it's a lie. And this lie will be exposed on the Day of Judgment and they will come in the form they deserve. They don't deserve the value, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will devalue them. And they will come in the form of ants. And uh, that's why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, The worst name, the most humiliated and belittled name on the Day of Judgment is the name of a man who called himself in dunya the King of Kings. This will be the most humiliated and belittled name on the Day of Judgment. Allah alam who this exactly refers to, but there was a time in Persia where the king used to call himself Shahanshah, which means the king of kings. On the Day of Judgment, this king will come in a form of ant and everybody is stepping over that king. That person is claiming to be the king of kings and he's in such a form of humiliation. So that name will be an additional humiliation because claiming something that doesn't belong to the person. Number three, there are some sins if a person commits, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to that person on the day of judgment. And there are few sins that would cause this to happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَشْتَرُونَ بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا أُولَئِكَ مَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارَ وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says verily those who conceal what Allah has sent down of the book and purchase a small gain therewith they eat into their bellies nothing but fire Allah will not speak to them on the day of resurrection, nor purify them, and theirs will be a painful torment. Those are they who have purchased error at the price of guidance and torment at the price of forgiveness, so how bold they are to the fire. These are the ones who conceal the knowledge of Islam. They have the knowledge, but they conceal it. Inna the ones who conceal the verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed and the truth. This will be their punishment on the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to them. In another hadith, مَنْ أُوْتِيَ عِلْمًا فَكَتَمَا أُلْجِمَ بِلِجَامٍ مِنْ نَارِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, the one who is given knowledge and then conceals it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will conceal their mouths with fire on the day of judgment. Knowledge has been revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the purpose of conveying it. So what use is the knowledge if one conceals it in their selves and doesn't convey it? And there is a uh, principle of fiqh which says لا يجوز تأخير البيان عن وقت الحاجة It's not allowed to delay conveying the message past its time. If there is a need for a message to be known right now, then it should be delivered. 
You can only delay it if there's an excuse. For example, you see a particular sin in front of your eyes. You need to bring awareness to the people that this is a mistake. If you do not, you must have a justification for delaying it. There must be a justification. Maybe the justification could be that you're afraid if you tell them the truth, their revolt against it would cause a greater munkar, would cause a greater evil. But otherwise, the general rule is that you cannot delay conveying the message past its time. And that's very well known principle of Sharia. Mentions and I mentioned this hadith And there's another ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Verily those who purchase a small gain at the cost of Allah's covenant and their oaths, they shall have no portion in the hereafter, neither will Allah speak to them, nor look at them on the day of resurrection, nor will He purify them, and they shall have a painful torment. Uh, this is talking about the ones who sell their religion for a worldly benefit, return. So you compromise in your religion, you give something in return to something of religion. An example of this would be the uh, ulama sultan the scholars of the sultan, the sultan is the leader, whether it's a king or president. These would be scholars who give a fatwa to please the king or the president. And they're using their religion to justify the falsehood and evil. The punishment of this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to them on the day of judgment and will not purify them. And they will receive a severe punishment and torment. Also, it would be included in this way, the ones who make an oath in the name of Allah, and they lie. They use the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a lie. So for example, it would be a person saying, in the name of Allah, I did this, and that's a lie. So they're using the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to justify their lie. This would also be included in this ayah. And there are many ahadith that Ibn Kathir mentions under this category. Ibn Kathir mentions these ahadith as a tafsir of this ayah. And this first hadith is narrated by Muslim. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ثلاثة لا يكلمهم الله ولا ينظر إليهم يوم القيامة ولا يزكيهم ولهم عذاب أليم. قلت يا رسول الله من هم خسروا وخابوا قال وأعاده رسول الله ثلاث مرات قال المسبل والمنفق سلعته بالحلف الكاذب والمنان. أبو ذر رضي الله عنه and this hadith is narrated by Muslim. He heard Rasulullah say, There are three people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to and will not look at and will not purify and will punish them. Abu Dhar said, Who are they? Rasulullah repeated that three times. And when Rasulullah repeats something, it's to turn attention uh, of the people. And then Rasulullah said that these three people are Al Musbil. Al Musbil is the one who has long clothes dragging below the ankle. There's another hadith that specifies that this punishment is to the one who drags their clothes below the ankle for khuyala. Khuyala means pride and arrogance. And then the second uh, person Rasulullah said, Al-Munfiq Silatahu Bilhalf al-Kazib. 
The one who sells by false and lying oath. An example would be, Wallahi, this cost me $10 and it really only costed you $5. So you're making an oath in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to sell something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to this person. And the third is Al-Mannan. Al-Mannan is the person who always reminds with his favors. You remember a year ago I gave you five bucks? You remember a year ago I invited you? You remember a year ago I gave you a ride? Come on, you need to pay me back. This would be an example of Al-Mannan. Uh, the one who always reminds with the favors. That means that this person is not doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The person is doing it for a return. He wants you to pay them back. These are the three people mentioned in this hadith. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in the hadith narrated by Bukhari and Muslim, مَنْ حَلَفَ عَلَى يَمِينٍ وَهُوَ فِيهَا فَاجِرٍ لِيَقْتَطَعْ بِهَا مَالِ مْرِئٍ مُسْلِمٍ لَقِيَ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَهُوَ عَلَيْهِ غَضْبَانٍ The one who makes an oath in order to take away something that belongs to the Muslim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will meet him and he's angry with him. And in another hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, ثلاثة لا يكلمهم الله يوم القيامة ولا ينظر إليهم ولا يزكيهم ولهم عذاب أليم رجل منع ابن السبيل فضل ماء عنده ورجل حلف على سلعته بعد العصر يعني كاذبا ورجل بايع إماما فإن أعطاه وفى له وإن لم يعطه لم يفله وقال الترمذي حديث حسن صحيح This hadith is narrated by Ahmed, Abu Dawood and al-Tirmidhi Abu Huraira says that Rasulullah said there are three whom Allah will not speak to on the day of judgment and will not look at and will not purify and will punish them. A man who prevents the traveler from surplus water that they have. You have water. You have enough water. And this traveler doesn't have any water to drink and you do not give the traveler your water. And for this person, Rasulullah says that on the day of judgment, this is another hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell that, that person, how come you prevented something that doesn't belong to you? Water is for everyone. Water is one of the things that is for all, every person who is in need of it. If you have with you water that is surplus, and there is someone in need of water, that surplus water does not belong to you. It should be given to the one who needs it. The next, Rasulullah says, Someone who makes an oath on their merchandise after Asr. What does this mean? After Asr, you make an oath on your merchandise. Uh, usually the business uh, day used to be from, they would work during the daytime. By afternoon, by Asr, if you didn't sell, that means that most likely you're going to take this stuff with you at home. You're going to take it back to the storage. So for people to sell it, you know, in, in the, uh, I think the people who go to the uh, swap meet, they know that by the end of the day, if you don't sell, you kind of try to get rid of whatever you have so that you wouldn't have to take all of this stuff and load it back with you. This person is trying to get rid of this additional surplus merchandise that they have. So they make an oath on that merchandise and they say, Wallahi, it cost me this, Wallahi... And they try to sell it by using oaths and by using the name of Allah until they get it sold. And they're lying in all of these oaths. Previously, people used to work uh, throughout the daylight. From morning until Maghrib. Now we have work day that is shorter. And we always complain that we're not able to 
fulfill our Islamic duties because we have work from 8 till 5 or from 9 till 4. Well, people before don't think that they used to have office hours for 3 hours or for 4 hours. They used to work in their farms from Fajr until Maghrib. And they used to work in the market from Fajr until Maghrib. Nevertheless, they still made jihad and they still made Qiyam al-Layl and they still read Quran and they memorized it and they learned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in their time because they had the true intention. Have taqwa and Allah will teach you. Allah will provide knowledge for you. But the point is that we have to have the intention, the ikhlas to do, and Allah will help. And someone who gives bay'ah to the imam, the imam is the, who's the imam? The khalifa or the leader. You give the imam bay'ah. Now if the imam uh, provides you and takes care of you, then you fulfill your bay'ah. If the imam does not pay you and take care of you, you give it up. So the matter is money. And that is the case with some of Al-Arab who became Muslim. They would uh, go with whoever pays more. If they get paid by Rasulullah they're Muslim. If the Yahud call them to their side and they pay them more, they go with the Yahud. So they change allegiance according to who pays more. And this is a habit which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to the people if they do on the Day of Judgment. Uh, some other sins, Rasulullah sallallahu says, This hadith is narrated by Al-Bukhari. Uh, this, this hadith is narrated by uh, Muslim. Uh, there are three whom Allah will not speak to, will not stare at, and will not purify and will punish. Shaykhun Zani, an old man who commits zina, adultery or fornication. Malikun kathab, a king that is a liar. And number three, Aalun mustakbir. Aal is a poor person, mustakbir is arrogant. So again, an old man who commits zina, a king who lies, and a poor person who is in need and is arrogant. What is the common thing among these three? There's no need for them to commit this sin. There's no urge to commit this sin. Shaykh Zanin, an old man who's committing zina, who has already passed the age of immaturity, and passed the age of, uh, of these strong desires, and this old man is still insisting on committing zina. So the urge is very weak, nevertheless the person is doing zina, so that's a proof that really it's not a matter of shahwa, uh, desire, but it's a matter of insisting on doing falsehood. Malikun Kadhab, this is a king who has the power and is lying. The liar is usually trying to get out of trouble because of weakness. A person lies because they're in a position of weakness, they want to get out of trouble by lying. This is a king who has all the power and is still lying. So there's no urge to commit the sin. And then finally, Alam Mustakbir, you have nothing, you're still arrogant. This is the common thing among the three, that there's no urge to commit this sin. Nevertheless, they do commit this sin. That shows that there's very little wara. There's very little righteousness in the heart. Thalathatun, and this hadith is narrated by Ahmed, and Nasai, and Mustadrak al-Hakim. Thalathatun la yanzurullahu ilayhim yawm al-qiyamah, al-aqu liwalidayh, wal-mar'atu al-mutarajjilah, al-mutashabbihah bil-rijal, wal-dayyuth. Three, Allah will not look at them on the Day of Judgment, Al-aqu liwalidayh, the one who is cruel to their parents and disobedient. Al-mar'ah al-mutarajjila al-mutashabbaha bil-rijal, the masculine woman who is imitating men. And al-dayyuth. Al-dayyuth is the cuckold, but it's also a little bit broader meaning than that. It's any man who has no jealousy. For example, 
if a man has a sister or a wife or a mother who's committing indecencies and that man doesn't mind, uh, that man is called the youth. So these three men, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not look at on the day of judgment. And this is a major sin and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned righteousness to the parents right after he mentioned ibadah to Allah. Right after Allah mentioned worship Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned being dutiful to the parents. And then the next thing, المرأة المترجل المتشبه بالرجال The masculine woman. The woman who is trying to uh, be like a man. There's many of these today. This is it's becoming, I mean, this is a, an illness and a disease that is getting widespread. This is also a sin where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to the person who does it and then at the youth. Number four, what will be the situation of the rich and the extravagant. This hadith is narrated by Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and Al-Hakim. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi There was one man sitting with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi and this man was burping, burping, burping. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi said, Keep your burping away from us. The ones who fill their stomachs the most in dunya will suffer hunger the most on the Day of Judgment. The more you fill your stomach in dunya, the more you would suffer from hunger on the Day of Judgment. And Rasulullah says in another hadith, narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim, إِنَّ الْمُكْثِرِينَ هُمَ الْمُقَلُّونَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِلَّا مَنْ أَعْطَاهُ اللَّهُ خَيْرًا فَنَفَحَ فِيهِ بِيَمِينِهِ وَشِمَالِهِ وَبَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَوَرَائِهِ وَعَمَلَ بِفِيهِ خَيْرًا Abu Dhar says in the hadith narrated by Bukhari and Muslim, the ones who have the most wealth in dunya will be with the least rewards on the Day of Judgment. Except, so there is an exception. And these are the ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given wealth and they spent it right, left, front and behind. They spend it and they do good with it. And another hadith that complements this one, الْأَكْثَرُونَ هُمُ الْأَسْفَلُونَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ إِلَّا مَنْ قَالَ بِالْمَالِ هَكَذَا وَهَكَذَا وَكَسْبُهُ طَيِّبُ Rasulullah says, the ones with the most are the ones who are lowest on the day of judgment, except the ones who spend it here and there, and they uh, receive it by halal means. So the way they acquire the money is halal, and the way they spend it is also in righteousness. So money in itself doesn't carry a tag that says that it's evil. Money in itself is not evil. In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called money in Quran khayra, khayr. And Rasulullah called it in this hadith khayr. Money in itself is called good. Khayr, khayr is good. min tayyibat ma kasabtum. Spend of the goods which Allah has given you. So Allah called it good. So Allah actually gave very good titles to money. It's good, it's khayr, it's a beneficial zina which is the adornment of this life, it only becomes bad when it's used in a wrong way. So it's a tool. It's a tool that could be used both ways. You could use it for good, and you could use it for evil. Just like knowledge, just like health, just like any other rizq that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you. But we need to keep in mind that money continuously needs to be purified. You always need to purify it too, so that it remains pure and it remains as good. And that is by spending it, right and left, spending, spending. And we know that uh, some of the most prominent Sahaba were quite wealthy. Uthman ibn Affan was one of the wealthiest of the Muslims. 
And Abdurrahman ibn Auf might have been the wealthiest of the Muslims. Who were, he was one of the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise while they were still in dunya. Abdurrahman ibn Auf. And as Zubair ibn Awam was also wealthy, Amr ibn Khattab and Abu Bakr, they were also uh, pretty well off. They knew how to use that money. And then some of the Anbiya who are wealthy are Dawood and Sulaiman. Number five, Fadihatul Ghadir. Al-Ghadir is the one who betrays. Rasulullah says in the hadith narrated by Muslim, إِذَا جَمَعَ اللَّهُ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَالْآخِرِينَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يُرْفَعُ لِكُلِّ غَادِرٍ لِوَاءٍ فَقِيلَ هَذِهِ غَدْرَةُ فُلَانِ ذِمْرُ فُلَانِ On the day of judgment, when Allah assembles all of the people from the beginning and the end, all of humanity, the one who betrays will be carrying a banner, a flag, that says that this man is a betrayer. Because that person betrayed someone, this person will be exposed on the day of judgment in front of everyone and he will have to carry this flag. And actually in another hadith, it says that this flag will be coming out from the back of the person and that person will be going around with this banner. Now the size of the banner and the height of it depends on how bad the betrayal was. Rasulullah mentions in another hadith, ala qadri According to the size of, to how big the betrayal was, that's how big the banner will be. And then Rasulullah says in a hadith narrated by Muslim also, لِكُلِّ غَادِرٍ لِوَاءِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يُرْفَعُ لَهُ بِقَدْرِ غَدْرَتِهِ أَلَا وَلَا غَادِرْ أَعْظَمْ غَدْرًا مِنْ أَمِيرٍ عَامَّةِ Rasulullah says on the day of judgment, every betrayer will be carrying a banner, and their banners will be according to how bad their betrayal was, and there is no betrayal greater than the betrayal of Amir Amma. Who's Amir Amma? The Khalifa. Amir Amma is the leader of the masses. This betrayal is the worst. Because this leader of the masses is betraying everyone. Obviously an example of a great betrayal of the masses is the selling off of Palestine. That's again a clear example of ghadra, of a betrayal. People who have no right in this land are signing it off to the Yahud to get a very small worldly return because don't expect that the Yahud will give much. It's for a very small return. And they're selling out Palestine. And then number six, Al-Ghalul. Originally, or the direct meaning of the word Ghalul is anything that is stolen from the booties of war. When the booties of war are gathered and somebody steals anything from it, it's called Ghalul. But it would include also a general definition of the word. It would include anything that is taken without right. I mean, you take something that doesn't belong to you. You take something that you shouldn't have taken. Uh, the punishment of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, وَمَنْ يَغْلُلْ يَأْتِي بِمَا غَلَّ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And whoever deceives his companions as regards the booty, he shall bring forth on the day of resurrection that, that which he took illegally, then every person shall be paid in full what he has earned, and they shall not be dealt with unjustly. And uh, Rasulullah sallam says in the, on the day of judgment, if you have stolen a camel, you will be carrying that camel on your shoulders on the day of judgment. If you have stolen a cow, same thing. If you have stolen a goat, you will be carrying it on the day of judgment uh, too. There is uh, a hadith, Narrated by Muslim and, and Al-Bukhari, Rasulullah appointed a man on uh, zakah, amil al-zakah. Amil al-zakah is the one who collects zakah. 
Rasulullah used to send out officers of zakah who would go out to the different parts of the Muslim world and they uh, have the authority to go and take out the zakah from the wealth of the people. So they would go among the uh, cattle and they would take the zakah out of it. They would go to the gold and silver that the people have. They would take the zakah out of it. And they were sent by Rasulullah to collect the zakah. Rasulullah sent this man to collect the zakah. So the man went and brought the zakah back. And he gave to Rasulullah the zakah. He said, this is for you. And this was given to me as a gift. Rasulullah stood on the member immediately. He went and stood on the member. And he said, how come I send one of you to collect the zakah? And he comes back and says, this belongs to you and this belongs to me. How about he stays at the home of his father and mother and see if he will be given any gifts? The reason why this person got gifts was why? Why was, why was the reason? Because of the position, so that he can be lenient and easy when he's collecting the zakah. So that he can overlook, so that he could be easy. This was given with the title of a gift, but in reality it's a bribe. It's a bribe, it's not really a gift. It was given under the precept of this is a gift, but it's not really a gift, it's, it's a bribe. Rasulullah says, مَا بَالُ الْعَامِلْ نَبْعَثْهُ عَلَى عَمَلْ فَيَقُولَ هَذَا لَكُمْ وَهَذَا لِي أَفَلَا جَلَسَ فِي بَيْتِ أَبِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ فَيَنظُرْ أَيَهُدَى إِلَيْهِ أَمْ لَا وَالَّذِي نَفْسُ مُحَمَّدٍ بِيَدَهِ لَا يَأْتِي أَحَدُكُمْ بِمِنْهَا بِشَيْءٍ إِلَّا جَاءَ بِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَلَى رَقَبَتِهِ إِنْ كَانَ بَعِيرًا لَهُ رُغَاءَ أَوْ بَقْرًا لَهُ خُوَارٍ أَوْ شَاهٍ تَيْعَرٍ You will carry whatever you have taken on your shoulders on the Day of Judgment. I want to clarify this point. It doesn't mean that if you are in a position of leadership you cannot accept gifts. Period. It's not what is meant. You can accept gifts whoever you are, whatever position you are in. You're not allowed to accept a gift when it is given with the intention of getting favor that doesn't belong to the person. So you're overstepping your authority and you're giving the person a favor just because that person gave you the gift. That's when the gift is really a bribe. But if somebody loves you and gives you a gift, it doesn't matter if you're a leader or not. And that's why Rasulullah said, why, how come he doesn't stay at home and see if we will get those gifts? Because if he did stay at home, he would not have gotten those gifts. He only got them because he was going and collecting the zakah, so the people wanted him to be easy with them, and they gave him those gifts. Number seven, غَاصِبُ الْأَرْضِ The one who takes the land illegally. Rasulullah says, مَنْ أَخَذَ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ شَيْئًا بِغَيْرِ حَقِّهِ خُسِفَ بِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِلَى سَبْعِ أَرْضِينَ Rahu al-Bukhari. Bukhari narrates that whoever... Rasulullah says, whoever takes a land, piece of land that doesn't belong to them, they will be swallowed to the depths of seven earths. That's the punishment for taking a piece of land illegally. Number eight, Dhul Wajhain. Dhul Wajhain is the double face. Double face who meets you with one face and meets the others with a different face. Or according to some brands and styles of it, he could meet you with one face, but after a while meet you with another face. This is Dul Wajhain. Rasulullah says in the hadith in, narrated in Mishkat al-Masabih, تَجِدُونَ شَرَّ النَّاسِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ ذَلْ وَجْهَيْنِ الَّذِي يَأْتِيهَا أُولَاءِ بِوَجْهِ وَهَا أُولَاءِ بِوَجْهِ You will find that the worst people on the Day of Judgment are the people who have double face. They meet these people with a face and meet, they meet the others with a different face. And another hadith Rasulullah says, whoever used to have two faces in dunya will have a tongue of fire on the Day of Judgment. 
Because two-face is really the tongue. And the tongue is changing. The face itself doesn't change. Tongue that changes the tone according to the uh, situation. And uh, the reason is because Islam is decency. Islam is decent and Islam doesn't like the crooked, indirect means. Islam is honesty and being direct and being honest. But also doesn't mean being rude. We shouldn't understand that we shouldn't have a double face. It means that we should be uh, rude and speak whatever you want to say. And No, there, Islam means that you should be honest with the people and tell them what they need to know and always say, tell the truth. Number nine, الحاكم الذي يحتجب عن رعيته يقول الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم من ولي من أمور المسلمين شيئا فاحتجب دون خلتهم وحاجتهم وفقرهم وفاقتهم احتجب الله عنه يوم القيامة دون خلته وحاجته وفاقته وفقره صلى الله عليه وسلم says whoever assumes a position of leadership over the Muslims and then hides away from the needy and the poor Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will veil himself from that person and from the needs of that person on the Day of Judgment. If you assume a position of leadership and then you close your doors and you refuse to meet the people and you refuse to take care of their needs which you are responsible for fulfilling, then on the Day of Judgment, when you need Allah, Allah will not help you. Because Allah has given you this authority in dunya and He didn't help the people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take revenge for those people on the day of judgment and Allah will not help the person. And with the khulafa anhum and the wulah and the Muslim khilafa, their doors were open for every need. I mean the man came from Egypt to complain about the son of the governor of Egypt, the son of Amr ibn As. And he traveled to Medina and he came right in and met with Amr ibn Khattab. Umar al-Khattab was not living in a palace or a castle. Umar al-Khattab was living in a very modest house. And amazingly enough, that house didn't even have a door. It had a curtain covering the uh, entrance to his house. All what you have to do is uncover the curtain. So you just call from outside for Umar al-Khattab. If he tells you to come in, you just go under that curtain and in the house of Khalifa al-Muslimin. And you're with him sitting there. One of the uh, kings of Persia, I mean, they had the major king and then they had some smaller kings. One of these kings, I think his name is Zaburqan, something. Anyway, he, uh, he came to Medina to convey a message to the Khalifa. And he asked, where's the Khalifa? They said, go on, you might find him in the masjid. He's going to be either at his house or the masjid. He went to the house, he didn't find Amr al-Khattab. He went to the masjid, he didn't find the Khalifa. He's asking, where's your Khalifa? One of the Muslims pointed and said, you see that man under the tree? That man sleeping under the tree? That's the Khalifa. So this Persian leader went and stood over Amr al-Khattab and he's sleeping under the tree in the desert. And he looked at him astonished. And he said, حَكَمْتَ فَعَدَلْتَ فَأَمِنْتَ فَنِمْتَ You ruled with justice, so you were peaceful and you were able to sleep. I mean, he's comparing this with Persia. It's impossible for the king to go out and sleep like this without royal guards surrounding him from every direction. Amr al-Khattab is sleeping right there without guards peacefully. Why? Because he ruled with justice. He ruled with equality. Hiding away from the needs of the people is a crime. Because we need to redefine leadership. We, since we lived under oppression, and we lived under tyranny, we have a wrong impression of leadership. Whenever the leader 
does something good in our country or to our society, we do a lot of praise and thanks to whatever was done. And we forget that that is their obligation and that's their duty to start with. They're not really doing the people a favor when they do something good. That's their obligation. That's what they should do. That's what they're appointed to do to start with. And then whenever they do something wrong, we are silent and quiet as if they have the right to abuse their nations. In Islam, the position of leadership is مَسْؤُولِيَّ وَرِعَايَةً كُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولُ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٌ عَرَّعِيَةً You are responsible and you are going to be questioned about your responsibility. They are put in this position to fulfill a responsibility. So when they do it, that's what they're expected to do. And when they don't, then they should be removed and we should never view that they have ownership of the country or the people. الْأَرْضُ وَالْعِبَادِ لِرَبِّ الْعِبَادِ The land and the servants belong to the Lord of all mankind and humanity. And this is a concept that we lost. But the Sahaba were very aware of it. And it was alive in their hearts. When Umar al-Khattab stood on the member one day to give khutbah, he said, Listen and obey. We have to obey our leaders. Salman al-Farsi stood up and said, لا سمع ولا طاعة. We're not going to listen and we're not going to obey. Salman al-Farsi, one of the righteous companions of Rasulullah وسلم, is telling Umar al-Khattab this. Umar al-Khattab said, Lima, why? Salman al-Farsi said, because you have given every one of us one thobe, one cloth, and you have taken two for yourself. This is fate that came, uh, this is wealth that came to Medina. It was pieces of cloth. So Umar ibn Khattab, the Khalifa, he distributed these pieces of cloth. He gave every one of the Sahaba one piece. But then when Umar was standing on the member, Salman al-Farsi saw that he had two pieces on. So he said, how come you have two and we only have one? Umar ibn Khattab did not speak. He told his son, قم يا عبد الله. He told his son, Abdullah, stand up and tell them. Respond. So Abdullah ibn Umar stood up and said, إن أبي رجل طويل القامة عريض من كبير لم يكفيه ثوب واحد فعطيته ثوبي. Abdullah ibn Umar said, my father is tall, wide, and well-built. One piece of cloth is not enough for him, so I gave him mine. That's why he has two pieces. And now our land is taken, and our resources are taken, and we are taken, and we accept it. It's not only a matter of piece of cloth. It's the ummah, including us, we're all taken. And our land, our land is signed off, and that is abuse, and that is unacceptable. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not speak to those people on the day of judgment. Number 10. الَّذِي يَسْأَلْ وَلَهُ مَا يُغْنِيهِ أَخْرَجَ أَبُوْ دَاوُدْ وَالنَّسَائِ وَالْتِرْمِذِي وَالْدَارِمِي وَغَيْرَهُمْ عَنْ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بِنَ مَسْعُودِ قَالْ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ مَنْ سَأَلَ وَلَهُ مَا يُغْنِيهِ جَاءَت مَسْأَلَتَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَ Enough, that begging will come as scars on their faces on the Day of Judgment. If you are begging and you have enough, but you're still begging, that begging will be scars and marks on your face on the Day of Judgment. Humiliation, because you're asking when you already have. Finally, uh, number 11. And by the way, back to this, this other one about asking. Uh, because Islam wants people to have dignity. But in the same time, Islam considers these situations of emergency. If a person is jahathu faqa, the one who is overwhelmed by disaster, uh, Islam allows them to ask and it's obligation on the people to help. These are the people who go through 
certain situation and they are in need. They are in great need. You know, Islam gives them the right to ask and gives us the obligation to help. But a person who has enough and is asking, that is humiliation because you already have enough and you're asking for more, so it's greed. And greed is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept for us. Finally, 11, من كذب في حلمه The one who lies in their dream. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says in the hadith narrated by al-Bukhari, من تحلم بحلم لم يره كلف أن يعقد بين شعيرتين ولن يفعل. ومن استمع إلى حديث قوم وهم له كارهون أو يفرون منه صب في أذنه الآنك يوم القيامة. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, whoever claims that he has seen, seen a dream and he didn't see it, will be asked to tie shairatain. Allah alam, this means you either tie two hairs together or you tie two grains together. And Rasulullah says, well, and you will not be able to. So it's a very uh, difficult, impossible task. And you will be asked to do it on the Day of Judgment. Very tense task. And you will ask me to do it on the Day of Judgment and you will not be able to do it as a punishment for claiming that you have seen a dream that you didn't see. Because sometimes, I mean, people could be get affected by dreams. So you could cause a person a lot of agony when you say that you have seen them in a dream and this happened to them and you're, re- you're lying. Or like some people, they want to claim for themselves a high position of wilaya, so they say, I've seen Rasulullah today and I've seen him. And they make up dreams and they're lying. Or people trying to justify their position or their cause by making up a dream. It's a sin to claim that you have seen a dream when you didn't see it. Because people have a lot of trust in dreams. And then if you listen to people, if you eavesdrop, if you are trying to spy on people and, they, and listen to what they're saying and they do not want you to listen, then uh, molten uh, metal or uh, copper will be poured in the ear of the person who does so on the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will pour that hot fluid in the ears of the person who does that because you are transgressing on the rights of others. People have a right of privacy. By the way, this is one of the rights that is Islamic, that people have a right of privacy and we are not allowed to spy on other people and to backbite them and to involve in their personal affairs. Even if what they're doing is wrong, even if what they're doing is a sin, we do not have a right to spy on them. If there is a person who's drinking alcohol in their house, which is a kabira, a major sin, we do not have a right to spy on them. They're doing it in the privacy of their house. This is a sin that is between them and Allah. Allah will handle it on the Day of Judgment. We're not responsible for it. But if somebody takes out their can of beer to the street, then the punishment is done on that person because this is mujahara bil ma'asih. This is exposing the sin. And there were people in the time of Al-Khalifa Umar bin Khattab and the time of Uthman bin Affan and maybe even the time of Abu Bakr in Medina who used to drink in their houses, who used to commit these sins in their houses and they were never punished for it because they never did it in public. Because they were munafiqeen, they were, there were others who were living in Medina who were Muslim by name but they were committing these sins in the privacy of their own homes, they were left alone. Islam doesn't want the sin to be exposed. If somebody is doing it between them and Allah, maybe Allah will guide them to Tawbah one day and they will get rid of that sin. And if they don't, 
Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish them for it. Maybe Allah can forgive them for it. This is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't know. Allah forgives whomever He wants and punishes whomever He wants. We talked about the situation of the Usat al-Mu'mineen, the believers who committed sins. Inshallah ta'ala, tonight we'll talk about Halul Atqiya, the situation of the righteous and the ones who will be safe on the Day of Judgment. Who are they? We'll start first with the ones that were mentioned in Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ سَبَقَتْ لَهُمْ مِنَّ الْحُسْنَىٰ أُولَٰئِكَ عَنْهَا مُبْعَدُونَ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ حَسِيسَهَا وَهُمْ فِي مَشْتَهَتْ أَنفُسُهُمْ خَالِدُونَ لَا يَحْزُنُهُمُ الْفَزَعُ الْأَكْبَرُ who are these? These are the ones who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preceded for them the good promise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them, لَا يَحْزُنُهُمُ الْفَزَعَ الْأَكْبَرِ الْفَزَعَ الْأَكْبَرِ is the greatest terror. And this is a name given to the Day of Judgment. الْفَزَعُ الْأَكْبَرِ The day of the greatest terror. There is no terror greater than the terror of the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them, لَا يَحْزُنُهُمُ الْفَزَعُ الْأَكْبَرِ Meaning, the greatest terror will not grieve them. They will not be grieved. They will not be upset. They will not be sorry. They will not be hurt on that day. They will be safe and secure. What is the reason for that? How come they became secure on the Day of Judgment? And when everybody else is terrorized and afraid, they are safe and peaceful in a state of tranquility. We have the answer uh, for that in Quran and in Sunnah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about these people, These righteous men and women, when they were in dunya, they used to say, we fear a day which is abus and qamtarir. Abus min abus, abus al-wajh. A day which will cause the faces to be grieved. So you can see the traces of grief on the faces of people. Fear. Qamtarira ibn Abbas says tawil. It's a long day. And Qatada uh, says the meaning of it is shadid. It's a very uh, hard day. A day of hardship. So the day of judgment is a long day. A day of hardship and difficulty. And a day which will make the faces, you would see the sorrow and the despair on the faces of people. These righteous men and women, they used to say while they are in dunya, We used to fear that day. So they feared that day already in dunya. Therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make them safe on the day of judgment. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in the hadith al-Qudsi, قال الله عز wa jal, وعزتي وجلالي لا أجمع لعبدي أمنين ولا خوفين. إن هو أمنني في الدنيا أخفته يوم أجمع فيه عبادي. وَإِنْ هُوَ خَافَنِي فِي الدُّنْيَا أَمَّنْتُهُ يَوْمَ أَجْمَعُ فِيهِ عِبَادِي Rasulullah ﷺ says that Allah said, In my name, I will not combine for my servant two moments of peace or two moments of fear. If my servant does not fear the day of judgment in dunya, then they will fear it on the day of judgment. If they fear the day of judgment in dunya, then I will give them peace and tranquility on the day of judgment. 
So if you were not worried about the day of judgment in dunya, then you're going to be worried about it on the day of judgment. But if you worried about the day of judgment in dunya, then you will be safe on the day of judgment. And it's much better to be afraid of the day of judgment in dunya. Because we know the earlier the hardship, uh, the easier it becomes in the end. If you committed a sin, it is much easier to wash away that sin when you are in dunya than it is later. Because how are the sins purified? There are more than 11 ways of purification of sins. But briefly, if you have committed sins, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will compensate for you and forgive for you some of your sins through the hardship you go through in dunya. Uh, disease, problems, disasters, uh, any hardship that you go through, financial difficulty, all of that will wash away some of your sins. If that is not enough, then in Sakarat al-Maut, the moment of death, the pain that you would feel when the soul comes out, that will take care of some of the other sins. If that is not enough to purify you, then there will be punishment in the grave. And now it's getting more difficult and more severe. If that is not enough, then the horror of the Day of Judgment. If that is not enough, then the person will have to spend some time in hellfire. Because sins have to be cleared. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not admit anyone into Jannah except if they are 100% pure. There is no impurity accepted in Jannah. You have to be pure. So you have to pay for what you have done through this process. Now it's very easy to come out of your sins in dunya because all what you have to do is make a tawbah. And the pain that you would feel in dunya is much less than akhirah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أَصْبَرَهُمْ عَلَى النَّارِ They will not have patience on hellfire. Nobody can handle the pain and suffering of Jahannam. So it is easier to get out of one's sins the earlier you try. In dunya it's much easy. For these men and women whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised al-husna, they already felt the fear of the Day of Judgment in dunya. So on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them peace. And I notice in ourselves that we have a lack of awareness of akhirah. We are heedless, we are unaware. Subhanallah, the issue of akhirah, I don't think it, it affects us 1% of the effect it used to have on a sahaba radiallahu anhu. I mean, they truly used to fear al akhirah And Rasulullah sallallahu when, whenever he would talk about the akhirah they would cry and they would weep, and they always had on their minds meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. It's mentioned that Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, he has all what dunya can offer under his hand. Very busy. And he can own whatever he wants. He, he's ruling the biggest empire on the face of the earth, Al-Khilaf al-Islamiyyah. It was the only superpower of the time. Amr Abdul Aziz, once he went to bed, his wife said, Fatima bint Abdul Malik, she said, my husband went to sleep. And suddenly he, he was shaking in his bed and then he woke up and he was crying until morning. He couldn't sleep. And I asked him why. He said, ذَكَرْتُ يَوْمًا يُقَالُ لِي فِي صَبِيحَةِ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ إِمَّا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَإِمَّا إِلَى النَّارِ He said, I remember the day when I will be told to either go to Jannah or to go to hellfire. He said, on that day, the final decision will be made. I will either go to Jannah or go to hellfire. When he remembered that day, he was crying all night because he knew that that is the final chance. On the day of judgment, it's either going to be Jannah or hellfire. The fear that the Sahaba the righteous had about the day of judgment in itself is a form of ibadah. Having khawf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
fearing the punishment of Allah. That's ibadah in itself. And Ibn Qayyim says we have to have two wings. A wing of raja and the wing of khawf. One wing which is good expectations and the other wing is fear. So we have one wing, good expectation in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah is merciful and Allah is forgiving. But that should also be balanced with another wing and that is that the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very severe. If one wing outweighs the other or is stronger than the other, then the bird cannot fly. If you only have good expectation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving, uh, then that will make you procrastinate doing good deeds and it will make you lazy because you say, Allah is going to forgive all my sins, I can do whatever I want. And that's an imbalance. Also, if you have too much fear, then you would be so afraid that you would give up. Say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his punishment is severe, I have no chance, I cannot make it, and you will give up. And that's another imbalance. These are two extremes. Ibn al-Qayyim says you have to have the balance of both. You have good expectations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving and merciful, and in the same time, you fear the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this development of fear is by mujahada. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. You, you always think about al-akhirah. You always remind yourself of the akhirah. And that is how this uh, makhafa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala develops in the heart. Number two. The ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide shade. When there is no shade except his. The day of judgment is 50,000 years long. Difficult day, hot, the sun is right above the heads. There's no shade on the day of judgment. There's no mountain, there's no uh, buildings, there's no trees, nothing. The land will be flat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the land will be flat. You don't find any uh, hills or any anything sticking up. It will be flat, leveled. And there will be no shade except under the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the only shade. And this is an exclusive group. Not anybody can join. You can't just run under the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get shade. This is an exclusive group. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit them according to their qualities. And what are the qualities of the people who will be provided with shade on the day of judgment? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Seven. Allah will provide for them shade when there's no shade except His. The first one, Imamun Adil, a just ruler. And Nawawi in Sharh Sahih Muslim, he says, Rasulullah started with the just a ruler, he's the first one in the hadith, لِكَثْرَةِ مَصَالِحِ وَعُمُومِ نَفْعِهِ And Nawawi says that the first one in the hadith to be mentioned is the just ruler, because the just ruler, his benefit will help everyone. And everyone would be blessed and would make uh, use or would uh, enjoy the justice of the ruler. Because the ruler is taking care of the Muslims and they have needs. The most thing that would provide people with peace in dunya is justice. Justice is the best ingredient to make the life of people safe and secure and in a state of tranquility and peaceful. It is justice. We underestimate the quality of justice. With justice, Ibn Taymiyyah says, The heavens and earth are established on justice. With justice in dunya, the life of people will be wealthy, will be healthy, will be safe, will be secure. 
Believe it or not, with justice, the people will be well off, they will be affluent, they will be wealthy, they will be peaceful, they will be safe with justice, if they have justice. When the ruler is just, this peace permeates to the whole society. Because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide this person with peace on the Day of Judgment. Because this just ruler made the lives of people safe and peaceful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make his life peaceful and safe on the Day of Judgment. And as I said, this is a quality which we underestimate and we'll, we'll talk about it, uh, how justice relates to us uh, a little bit further. But this is the first one who was mentioned in the hadith. وَشَابُ النَّشَأَ فِي عِبَادَةِ اللَّهِ Number two, a youth who was brought up worshipping Allah, who grew up worshipping Allah. People sometimes, they have fun or they are not serious about the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during their youth years. But then when they mature and they grow up, they are more uh, willing to involve in the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship. You usually find that the younger the person is, the less serious they are in religion. Sometimes that's not a general rule. There are many serious youth and always the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been built on the shoulders of the youth. But uh, the youth are more uh, playful and when they mature then they take the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala serious. But if a youth grows up worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and never goes into a phase of going astray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward this youth on the day of judgment with shade under the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that youth has kept istiqamah. Istiqamah is staying on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continuously. And that youth has never been taken away by shaitan. And has been never manipulated by evil. Therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward that youth for this steadfastness by providing him or her with shade on the day of judgment. For further information, please contact Al Bashir Publications and Translations at 1 or visit our website at www.albashir.com That's www.al-b-a-s-h-e-e-r.com You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264. Please proceed to the next CD.